Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome to my kitchen table. If you're listening this week in real time, it is the week of Thanksgiving. And the question we're going to wrestle with this week is how do I successfully help my children navigate a world where the culture says you're entitled to so many things? And yet we know becoming grateful is really the attribute we desire for our children. How do we navigate this with our kids? And how do we speak into this with gospel conversations? So that's the question at hand today. And the way I look at this and the way Troy and I look at this, as we've talked about this over the years, is we really see that there are three different places that we can see the opposite of gratitude crop up in our children's lives. The three different areas are possessiveness, selfishness, and entitlement. Now, the reason I'm breaking it down into three different things is I think that where your children are in life, their ages and their stage, it looks like one of those three. And so then when we can kind of identify, oh, they're young, this is where they are, this is how I bring the gospel into this conversation with my little one, or this is how I bring the gospel into conversation with my teenager or my adult child, it, it really helps me and helps steer me into how I'm going to have these conversations, kind of points me in the right direction. These three are a highlight reel, I think, for the sin nature. But we are given these as sacred moments to share. And what we share in those moments is the gospel. And if I can help in any way to encourage you to make a paradigm shift in your mind on the days where you're the most tired and the most over it and the most desiring for your children to stop, fill in the blank. And if you can, in those moments, sit with the Lord for just a moment and let a paradigm shift happen where you welcome this new space as sacred, as an invitation to a conversation with your child about their need for a savior. But oftentimes we have these three areas and we will laugh, right? We'll be awed almost at the audacity of a two, three, or four-year-old. They're happily playing in one corner with a toy, not paying attention to anything else going on in the room. And maybe their friend or a sibling walks into the room, picks up a toy that is theirs, and that little person immediately stops what they're doing, rushes over there, tries to snatch the toy, and shout, no, or mine, or give it to me. 
And if it's not, if it wasn't so audacious, it would, it would, in some ways it's, it's a little bit amusing, isn't it? And then as they get a little bit bigger, I think they learn the social cueing that it's not okay to snatch your toys away from people. It's rude. People don't like it. You get the response you get is not fun. And especially if you have any opportunity to um, be with other children, like in a church nursery or in a mother's morning out or a little preschool class or a daycare. So social cueing will begin to change their behavior a little bit. And so you'll watch your children at around four and five and six and on up move from this possessive posturing, they'll move into more of a selfish positioning. And so we see this begin to highlight in those early school years where everybody's jockeying to be first in line, to be the one to answer a question, to be the first to get a snack, to, um, you see a lot of quiet elbows throwing as people are moving around in groups. You definitely can see it in groups. And so we want to be looking for it. We want to be watching for it, not because we're going to be disappointed when we see it, but we're expecting to see it. But those are the sacred moments. And so we want to see those, no, mo- those moments. And the, on a side note, I don't bust my kid. So if my child is showing signs of um, selfishness in a group setting, I may quietly, if I can, walk up to them and whisper in their ear so that it's a private moment where I can correct it. But other than that, these discussions are going to be had in a quiet place after emotions are finished, after we're out of the situation when we can reflect on the situation and have a good conversation. That's when these moments happen. So I don't, I don't, and I want to encourage you, you're going to see selfishness. And how you respond in the moment is different than how you um, steward the sacred part of it. And then finally, the third stage, I think, is entitlement. And entitlement really is believing you deserve what you have not earned and what may have been gracefully given to you, but you believe you are owed it. And this sense of entitlement seeps into our children at early ages. We are surrounded with the idea that it's important to keep up with and look like everybody else to do what everybody else is doing, to have what everybody else is having. And what's more, we live in a child-centered culture. So culturally, we are parenting in that culture and our children are growing up in that culture. And oftentimes our home, the Kimsey home, struggles not to become child-centered. Like we work to not be a child-centered home. I think it's very easy to become one because all around you in every social media outlet and TV show in all the places, what we see is we want to make our children happy. 
and the road to happiness is. And then it's filled in the blanks with experiences and things and ease and comfort. And, um, and so we live in that culture and we're probably, I would say, and I, I don't know a study on this, but I would say probably if you look generation to generation, we're probably the most connected generation to our children. And maybe I'm thinking too highly of us, but I do believe that we probably are a generation that is much more in tune and much more seeking relationship with our children, which is not bad at all. I think that is an amazing gift we give our children. But I do believe that when we center our family on the happiness of our children, then we are feeding into their sinful nature, which says, I am owed happiness. I am owed contentment and I am owed ease and comfort. But oftentimes too, I think that the reason our children struggle with this and the reason we see it easily maybe in our children as it grows and it becomes the beast it can be is because we may not know the gospel for ourselves and we may be caught up in entitlement or selfishness, or possessiveness. So what are our practical takeaways for each stage? And then what is the overarching concept for our own hearts? So in the first stage, in this toddler snatching stage, we have a rule in our house practically that says there is no snatching. You cannot snatch. So from the very beginning, from the time they are old enough to toddle over to another child and snatch something out of their hands, we begin the process of teaching. The only thing that you can say is when you are finished playing with it, can I please have it? In other words, in our home, if you're playing with it, you have about 90% possession rule at that moment. There are a few outliers that will allow the child who desires the toy back to get it before the child is finished with it. In other words, if you have two children sitting there playing and my, we'll give them my children's names. Let's say Caroline is playing with her toy happily and Timothy comes in the room and he picks up a toy that she was not playing with. It happens to be hers, but she was not playing with it. And he begins to play with that toy. Most often you will see a toddler or a young child go stop what they were doing. So Caroline would stop what she was doing and go over to Timothy and desire to snatch that toy away, pronouncing that it was hers. And in our home, that is against the rules. So you cannot snatch and you cannot take because you were not playing with it initially. You're one response can be to that person, when you are finished playing with it, will you please give it to me? To which the other person needs to respond, yes, I'll be happy to. So we are looking for both children to understand communication is important. And while yes, you own it, it is yours. Because you are not playing with it now, we are going to freely share it with others. Because God has blessed us with all things. 
and and we really say those words. So we model this over and over and over in the day. And yes, there are many days where I, by four o'clock in the afternoon, I am done talking with people about you may not snatch, hand it back to them. Now, just let them know that when they're finished with it, you would like it back. So that is how we handle it when we have the snatchy possessive phase. So then it goes a little bit more underground, right? It becomes selfishness. It's a little more underground. It's more jockeying for position, more demanding to be first, demanding to be best, demanding to have, um, look at me, what about me? And so we're at a more, we're at an older age where conversation can happen and where we can have more of a conversation and we will. And in those moments, usually my question, my go-to question that works the best with these children that are around from about five to six on upwards is when you acted that way or said that thing or wanted to be first, who were you thinking about? Because what I want to draw their attention to is that they have been focused on themselves. I just want to highlight it for a moment, not from a space of condemnation, because again, remember, we all struggle with focusing on ourselves. It is our sin nature. So it's not my job to condemn. And it's not even the, in the Holy Spirit, what he does is convict. So condemnation has no place in our conversations, but we can bring something up, highlight it. Let them encourage and invite them to examine it with you in a space of grace and conversation, but always pointing to the fact what you did there, how did it impact the other person? Who were you thinking about? Where, what were you, where were your eyes? Were you looking at you or how the other person would feel? And then thirdly would be, As you recognize, oh, my eyes were on me, then we're going to follow that up with and begin to apply the word there, apply scripture there. And then that third phase, the entitlement phase, is really while our adult children and our young adult children are struggling with this, we are too. And so I do think that it bears some conversation for you and for me, and that same conversation would be what we would talk about with our kids. And that is that as our children are growing and we're beginning to see faith roots grow down in the soil of their soul. So we're beginning to see, I need Jesus. I am choosing to follow him. I believe in him. I'm beginning to understand his love for me. As these roots are sinking deeper into the richness of his love, then our eyes need to seek him. They need to seek the author and the finisher of our faith. Because as our faith is growing, we seek the one who grows it. So we begin to understand his presence and his love. And then that becomes our anchor point. So when when you and I anchor in the gospel and we begin to abide there, then even in the spaces that we believe we should be entitled, because usually they're the places that are hard, the places that are 
maybe we we're, we feel like we're being maligned or we're suffering or we don't like whatever's happening to us or we want something different. These places. What we really need to understand is that these are the places where God can begin to grow our faith. He can begin to move in there because we begin to shift our eyes off of our circumstances and onto Him. There is a golden chain um, Spurgeon talks about. He says that joy, prayer, and thanksgiving are a golden chain, meaning they hook together, they link together, and you can't really have one without the other two. So joy is the the recognition of grace. Joy is, that is simply what joy means in um, Hebrew. And so when you and I begin to see the grace of God applied to our lives, whether it is in the kindness of God to us in good circumstances, whether it is the forgiveness applied to our sin, whether it is um, his steadfast love, the way he answers our prayers, when we begin to see his grace and recognize his grace for what it is, joy is the resulting from that recognition. And then what the Lord, what God says over and over in the word is he hooks a pattern together, which is we rejoice in our prayers, which results in thanksgiving. So you take Philippians 4 and it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and thanksgiving. So here's this, here's this chain that Spurgeon called a golden chain. We see it represented here. And these things by prayer and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. So when we begin to tune our souls to prayer to him, our ability to trust him and trust his way will increase exponentially. And our selfish tendencies for entitlement or our way or what we deserve will begin to die. And the same is true for our children. So walking our children in these conversations as young adults, teenagers, young adults, needs to center around this idea of, well, where is the grace of God in this moment? And calling that forth and then inviting them into prayer, knowing that when we can see the grace of God at work and we begin to posture our hearts in prayer, that there is a resulting thankfulness and gratitude that overlays or supersedes and really puts to death the entitlement our sin nature always wants to bring forth. That is a hard conversation. And again, just like with our two-year-old and we feel like, over and over, I'm having the same conversation. The truth is, I am having the same conversation with myself 
over and over. And I'm in my 40s. And I've been walking with the Lord a long time. And so my teenage children who are just learning these truths, these weighty truths of the gospel, these are sacred spaces of conversation for me to have with them and to be willing to have over and over to go back over this ground and go back over this ground again and again, knowing that I'm not the one bringing seed to bear into fruit, into trees. That is the Holy Spirit's work. But what we are issued the invitation to do is to come alongside of our children and partner with them to help bring to light the sin and to point and pivot them to Jesus, who will, I promise, do the work that needs to be done. When joy, when we recognize this grace, when it centers on what God is doing, the faith of our children, our own personal faith, will go down deep. And entitlement will begin to die. And gratitude will be the fruit that grows on trees firmly anchored in God's love. I hope this has encouraged you a little bit today. I hope it's given you some practical pointers of where to go with your kids with gratitude. Gratitude's a hard one. We live in a culture of me, 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 and want, want, want. But I want you to know that I am here. I would love to answer any questions you have. You can find me. I hang out over on Instagram a lot, but you can definitely find me on my website, bethanykimsey.com. And if you really want to begin to pray fiercely for your kids, especially in this area of gratitude. I have a condensed free prayer guide for you that's going to walk you through how do we begin to pray the word of God for our kids over certain topics and how do we stand in the word of God for ourselves as moms so that our hearts are centered in truth so that we can then speak the words of the gospel well for our children. It's a free prayer guide. You can grab it. The link will be in this description and it's also on my website. And I would love to give it to you. I hope you have a wonderful, grace-filled day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me, and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.